Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, as I said before to you, I will be doing some episodes uh, on my own. So this is one where there'll be no guest. It is just going to be me rambling about my thoughts, my own current thoughts on programming and how I go about programming for clients. Now, there are so many different methodologies out there, and I'm sure that you probably have a way that works for you, and I'm sure there'll be stuff that I say in this episode that you probably will be like, ah, I don't really agree with that, and you know, I, I do it a bit differently, and over on, you know, I do, I time my rest, and this, that, and the next thing. But just please understand that this is just a methodology that I have done through trial and error over the years, and have had quite a lot of success with it in regards to my own physique, but then also for helping clients transform their physique. So take from this what you what you what you must, um, and I'll under, I'll try and put across to you my logic behind it. So before I go into the differences and how I would program for sort of males and females, I think the one thing we need to establish is or what we should also we should really be looking at is the three things that we want to always cover from any programming, right? Now that's got to be what we would say the the mechanisms of hypertrophy. Now that's just a fancy word for me saying the mechanisms of adaptation. So number one on that will be mechanical tension. So this is where like when you watch a tutorial video, you hear me say like, oh, I was initiating with this, I was keeping tension in my glutes and that's what we mean by that. So we're not just moving away from A to B, we're moving away from A to B, but we're doing it with intent and we're making sure that it's the muscle that's doing the movement rather than just momentum or rather than just say, you know, let's say it's a hack squat and we're just bouncing out of the the bottom and using like a, a stretch reflex opposed to actually using the quads to extend the knee. So that's number one. Number two is mechanical load. Now that should be the easy one, right? That's just the load that's going to be on the bar that you're or the, the hack squat or whatever it is that you're doing. But what we want to make sure we do is we're progressing that load over time. So we've got mechanical tension across each each and every lift, but then we're also thinking that as the weeks go on, we know we need to get progressively stronger, and that's one thing we're going to focus on is beating our logbook. And then number three, which is something that people will do a lot of, but it's actually the response you get from it in regards to muscle adaptation is quite small, is metabolic stress. And if you're wondering what the fuck that is, that's just like a fancy word for like a lot of blood flow and not a lot of rest. We call it pump work. You know, so guys will go in the gym and talk about chasing the pump and having their muscle sort of full of blood and looking nice and big when what you're trying to do in that time is you're trying to build up a bunch of metabolites that come from continued contractions such as I'm sure you've all heard of lactic acid right well there's that and a host of other things that go on as we're starting to fatigue the the accumulation of the or the, the increased accumulation of that within the blood at that specific muscle tissue will warrant an adapt, adaptive response right but because the adaptive response is so minimal from the likes of metabolic stress it's going to comprise like a really small part of your workout this is why like, I will always disagree with anyone that just does constant high volume and not really high load. 
because I'm just like you're not getting or you're not growing creating an adaptation as optimal as you could now I love that word optimally because that could be different for so many other people like I'm referring to if your goal if your quest is to get fucking jacked or it's to add muscle mass or it's to completely radically drastically change your physique over time you've got to be obsessed with those first two the the moving load with tension but moving a lot of fucking load and then yes metabolic stress will be in your program but it will come towards the end it'll just be like one working set my opinion of things like supersets it's just like a no from me unless you're on a peak week protocol if you're one of my clients you just will not do supersets or tri-sets or giant sets or whatever and the reason being is that I just feel that by the time you've done exercise one you've caused so much sort of muscular damage and fatigue that when you go into exercise two your form and tension and everything else just suffers so then that move starts to become like suboptimal for recovery and we just start moving it and form gets sloppy and we've not got any tension going on so if you ask me Von do you put in sort of supersets and triceps the answer would be no there is some other methods of hypertrophy that are out there that you'll see people talk about a loaded stretch and you'll see people talk about occlusion training now will they elicit a response they will do but i often feel with so many people and competitors really um whether you're doing a show or a shoot that that like adding that stuff in can just complicate things when ultimately they'll just get more growth or just as much growth out of training fucking harder and, and i don't mean to be disrespectful when i say that and I, I say this to all my clients at the very start on the initial consult call i said listen there will be plenty times over the next like you know course of the journey well i will just reply to your video saying you're not training hard enough you're not training hard enough get more weight on the bar get more weight on the bar and they might be that might be a pb right they might send me a video and hey, it's a pb but then i look and they've not like they've still left two reps in the tank and i'm just like that's not how we train i'm like if we want to like saturate or get a saturated response in regards to muscle protein synthesis and by that i just mean building muscle we want to break down as much as we can so my standpoint on the opinion of should you train to failure shouldn't you train to failure will always be yes you should train to failure but the thing is not a lot of people will ever go there why because it's not that enjoyable i think you've got to be a pretty sadistic bastard to enjoy it and luckily i am and even more luckily i have a training partner that is just as sadistic as i am and we bury ourselves every single session. But you know what? Like that to me is really fun. And the reason it's fun now is because at first when I did it, it was challenging. It was something where I was like, whoa. But then I just saw how quickly my physique changed. And then I continued to do it and I continued to do it. And I've just seen how much I've grown and also clients have grown over the past like four or five years that it's just a no-brainer. That, yeah, okay, you know, Betty and Sheila from Stobsville yeah, they like having a kebab at the weekend and they go to the gym to chat and catch up and talk about fucking Hollyoaks when we're not at the gym for that. Like, me and Steve, some sessions, don't really say two words to each other because we're getting ourselves in such a dark place to do these top sets or whatnot. Um, you know, 
you're writing your logbook out and you're just going, fucking hell, that's, ugh, I can't believe I've got to go do that. But I think when you're at that point, you're definitely training hard enough. So if your logbook doesn't scare you, that is my challenge to you for this year. All right. What I want you to do is look at every single lift and I want you to set a target. What would look good in your eyes on moving? So for me, five years ago, it was, I want to stack the hack squat. I said, that would look cool. Now, I can do that with 20 kilo plates. It's a bit different when you put on 25 kilo plates though, right? Um, But it's still been years to get there. But each year, each sort of time I've finished, I've dieted, and then when I enter an off-season, I will then start to write out target weights that I want to add. And then I'll just work towards them. So it gives you something tangible and measurable to work towards. So if you're not doing that with your programming, and you're just sort of going in, and you're like just going through the motions, and you're kind of just... Ah, I'll put this on. I'll put no. Fuck that. You got to be having your logbook there, so that when you're feeling tired, when you're feeling down, feeling sorry for yourself, your logbook's not, and it will get a PB out of you. Because I mean, here's my mindset. I'm halfway through a set, and my brain goes, "This is fucking hard." Like eight reps, it's going to be tough here. And then this other voice comes on that's much louder and stronger, and just says, "You'll be pissed off if you don't write down eight. And it's, and it's as simple as that. Um, that's something that I've learned over time. But I think that having a, a training partner, a spotter, can be a huge value when you're training. So that was a little bit of a rant, but what I was meaning was that not enough people train hard enough and often programming can seem so basic. And honestly, sometimes you can just do fucking anything and if you train hard enough, you'll change, you'll grow, right? If you're getting stronger over time. But I've developed a system and I'm going to share that with you, or the, the sort of foundations, the physiology behind it. And I'm go, first going to start with females, and sort of female programming and training. Now, one thing we need to remember about females, and I've said this before on Instagram, is that they can t- they tend to be able to recover quicker than us guys. And I've trained with many a female, more so recently, Clara... Bethany, Carly, um, and I've trained with Indra and Sharon as well, but I was meaning more legs, um, and they just kicked my ass, and by that I mean that, you know, I'm I'm still like sitting on the floor, or I'm hovering over a bench, and I'm, I'm recovering, and they're just like good to go, and if you're wondering why, well, you girls have estrogen, and us guys don't, now estrogen itself is shown to be very anti-catabolic and woof, there's another fancy word, right? And by that I mean it just doesn't allow muscle breakdown that readily. So if it doesn't allow that much breakdown, you're good to go again sooner. Now, that's in regards to your, your frequency across the week. In that one session, the reason that those girls are able to go again is that it's shown that you guys clear lactate, like lactic acid, the metabolic intermediates I was talking to you about, much quicker than us guys. And it's maybe not like drastically quicker, but it's so noticeable in any guy out there who's a bodybuilder, who's trained with a high-level female, who trains really fucking hard, um, will know what I'm talking about. Is that they just go. They just go, and they'll do two sets to your one. They'll do three sets to your two. God, they might even do four sets to your two. Um, so in regards to programming itself, I've noticed that females' glutes and delts recover really quickly 
and they need a fair amount of volume to respond and grow. Now, if we consider that as a female, you predominantly want to bring up your legs anyway. I've not met any female that said otherwise because they want to grow their glutes, they want tight hamstrings, or perhaps you're doing figure and you want jacked fucking quads. Now, I think you have to take advantage of your increased ability to recover in regards to how often you're going to train legs across the week. I found that women can train legs up to three times across the week. Now, in my opinion, they won't be three full leg sessions. They'll be two and like a half leg session. But how I tend to work it is day one will always be like lower body. And I like to split up um, glutes and hamstrings, tagging on quads on that day. The day after, upper body. The day after that, day off, because subsequently the day after that is lower two. On lower two, it'll be more quad dominant and then we'll tag glute and hams. Then the next day will be upper. Then the next day would be an like a combination of an upper slash lower. Now on that fifth day, in regards to what you train and whether it's glutes and hamstrings or quads, totally person dependent, right? Totally depends on what you're trying to bring up. For, mo- for the most part, if you're a female, it's likely that your glutes are lagging. Not really met many females that glutes are strong and powerful and are their glutes overpower their quads. Um, if you are a female and that is the case, let me know. Like, prove me wrong. I've just not met many um, that are, unless they are like really, really far down the line in regards to bodybuilding. Now, I don't think we should have one day that's solely all glutes and hamstrings. We should always have like some sort of quad orientated exercise in there. So, if it was like lower one for me, um, if I was programming, I would maybe program in. Like I'd put the seated adductor first, um, then maybe like a hip, like a hip thruster or sort of hip hinge movement, and um, then after that maybe put like a like a reverse banded Smith squat, um, and then thereafter you know, again I would probably go, um, maybe like a V squat, reverse V squat, and then you could put in the like of a of a leg extension or a hack squat like a widowmaker set, um, and then I would end with you know, something like a banded, wide sumo stance leg press, and I'd, I'd put in like a metabolic set, 20, 25 reps, rest, pause, that shit. Um, but we talked about, we know that delts need a little bit more volume, right? So what I'll do, and clients who are listening will know, is I'll often put, put in lateral delts at the end of a leg workout for females on that lower one. Now, coming into sort of upper one the next day if we discuss what we're going to train upper body right everything absolutely fucking everything however do as a female do we need to be spending time doing like four five six seven eight sets of chest absolutely fucking not if you're a bikini girl are they looking for a well-developed chest no okay when we get up to figure are they looking for perhaps a little bit more muscularity in the upper chest Yes, they are. Right, okay, so that means that the programming with your figure girl and bikini girl for your upper days might be a little bit different. But we're still going to probably prioritise quite a lot of delt volume. We're going to make sure that we're hitting our back and probably going to tag on some arms as well. As a bikini girl, are you going to work biceps? Probably not. If you are, it's going to be one exercise across the week. Now, if we went on to the likes of we've had the day off and then we're going to lower two. Lower two, that's when I'll tend to, again... 
it's more of a quad focused day. But I love starting off that day with like a hip hinge movement. And we've had the seated adductor first and lower one. So I'd love like an RDL or like a rack pull here. Um, if you were brave, Dorian's would fit. Um, before then moving on to like a leg extension. The reason I'd put like the RDL first is that just with how much like muscle damage you'll elicit and how much it's going to re just require you to put everything into it, it's just going to be superior for posterior chain development. So we put like an RDL in there at a rack pull. Yeah, it's a hip hinge movement, but we're also getting the benefit of we're hitting our back as well. So we're getting a benefit of both there. And then you'd always put in the leg extension first because your ability to get the cord short as the session goes on will diminish. So you put that in before you do the likes of your pendulum squat or your V squat or your, you know, your hack squat, whatever it is. Um, so you'd have a couple of quad loading movements. Maybe you have another sort of glute and hamstring movement, like like the prone curl or something like that. And then the leg extension um, and maybe a bit of calves. Uh, you know, you could have put the seated adductor in there when I said prone curl instead. Again, again, it really is person dependent. This is all just like a generic guideline. It's not me saying this is what you need to do and this is what you should do. This is just me saying like off the top of my head, this is how I program and this is the, some of the systems that you can implement. So if we've had sort of like day one, we've hit lower, we've done delts. Day two, we've hit delts. We've had a day off and then lower two. I would probably just like not put in any delts there because you've got upper the next day, which again could be quite delt orientated but i kind of probably split it so you've got the upper one which is quite delt orientated with you know a little bit less back volume and then your upper two i'd put more back volume in there than less delt volume and again maybe a little bit of arms as well depending on if you're you know you're doing bikini you're doing figure or whatever um and incorporated in that you know you could still do metabolic work like i said with lower one Similar sort of setup, always put your metabolic work at the very end of a workout, never put it first thing because uh, you'll just elicit like, some fatigue that will take away from loading sets anyway. Um, and then you would, the next day thereafter, you'd kind of go straight into your upper-lower combo day. Um, and again, this depends, right, what you're trying to bring up. I've had some girls I've put in there, I've put in the hack squat, the leg extension, I've had some girls I've just put in like a reverse V-squat and a sumo stance leg press. I've had some girls where I've put in a quad loading movement and a glute and hamstring loading movement and then again just a combination of you know delts back arms like dependent upon what's lagging and what needs brought up right if you were to think about total working sets across the week this is what i challenge you to do as well do you know how many sets you do for a certain muscle group across the week your answer is probably no and if, if it's no how would you then know what to adapt if you are not growing? This is why having a program in place of, okay, right, I do this many working sets, I eat, you know, and, and on top of that, I eat this many calories, this many steps, blah, blah, blah. And if a body part's not responding, you say, right, is it intensity? No, no, I'm training fucking hard. Is it execution? No, oh, execution's cool. Right, how's our recovery? Oh, recovery's pretty poor, actually. Okay, are we maybe above our maximum recoverable volume? Do we have to pull volume down? Or, how's recovery? Oh, recovery's fine. Like, recovery's no bother. Don't even get doms. Right. Maybe we need to do a bit more to get that muscle group to respond. So what I would always say is that as you're, like, doing your check-in photos, looking through the quarter turns, look and see. Compare back. It, like, 
is the lateral delt head getting bigger? Yeah, cool, keep going. Is it not? No, right, cool, there's got to be a change. And then that will often dictate when, like, a program change will come. Now, often a program change can usually come from if we are stalling, right? So you've got your program set out, you know how many sets you're doing across the week, and let's say you get a certain move and you're three weeks into that move and it's just not progressing, not progressing, not progressing. Well, we can't have any emotional attachment to that lift, right? It's got to come out. We've got to swap it for a like for like or we've got to play about with the tempo. We've got to play about with the top set rep range uh, or the back offset rep range and approach it like a new lift. Whereas if you're training in the likes of a pure gym like I do, you're going to favor the latter option. You're going to make sure you you put in like a pause or you put in like a higher rep range um, because just, just lack of equipment. You won't have as much equipment as someone who maybe trains at Extreme Gym in Glasgow will or like a bodybuilding type gym. Um, so you've got to be smart with it. Now, females, in regards to your leg volume, I think that you're going to get easily between 25 to 30 working sets across the week that you'll recover from, that you'll progress, and you should be able to get stronger week in, week out across the board. Um, if you have noticed, and by that I mean working sets, sets to the absolute fucking death, right? Out of those 25 or 30 working sets, maybe only two or three, max four, of them are metabolic sets. The rest are like between a six to eight you could even argue a 6 to 12 rep range where we're getting brutally fucking strong across a period of time. Um, when it comes to like lateral delt volume, again, like have a look. How much of your shoulder workout is programmed towards the lateral delts? Probably like, you'll probably be doing three sets of lateral raises, one workout. Some of my bikini girls, even like figure girls, like they're doing like 14 to 16 sets across the week solely lateral delt volume, not including anterior head. By that, I mean we've got a, a head on the tricep at the front of the body, in the middle of the body, and the one at the rear. I'm talking about the one in the sort of middle, or laterally, or laterally on the body. So have a look, could you bump that up, and then could you pull back your anterior volume? Because if you're doing so much pressing, or let's say you're doing a fair bit of chest work at the moment as well, you're hitting that front, that anterior head, and you're not doing anything to the lateral. What's the one thing to look for in bikini? Cap on the delt. And figure, cap on the delt. Right, pretty much every, every class across the board, this guy's a girl wants to cap on the delt. So, that is females. Um, any questions about females? If you're unsure of anything I've said there, and you want to know a bit more, um, you know, for example, how to program your back, or you know, how that, that should look, just drop me a DM. Message me. I, I, open policy on Instagram. Just drop me a DM. Ask me anything. But have a bit of manners. Like, say please and thanks. The amount of times I, like, will reply to someone, they ask me a question, and I just, honestly, I say please and thank you go a long way. It's just, just manners at the end of the day, isn't it? Right. But I will get back to you. I will reply to you. There's no question that is, isn't daft. There's only simply, if you don't know how, then... Or why, then it seems difficult, it seems challenging. But when you know, it'll then become easier. You'll get a bit more clarity on it. Now, if you're unsure of that, like about maximum recoverable volume, how many sets you should be doing and changes and whatnot, just hire a coach. Like, hire someone who knows what they're talking about. Do a bit of research. Don't just like, don't just be like, oh, wow, look. Look at fucking 
Shredded Davy. He won the Tiddlywinks Bodybuilding Championships of 2010. I'm going to go with him because he knows what he's talking about. And then what you get from that is fucking shite service. Like, just pick someone on Instagram, do a bit of research, find out who their clients are, see what their website's about, see their content, drop them a message, ask to speak to them on a consult call. When you come on the consult call, have a list of questions, how things will work, dates, programs, timeframes, etc., etc. Any good coach on a consult call should be asking those sort of questions anyway. Um, but moreover, um, so yeah, that was just a quick plug to say, please do your research when hiring a coach make sure you go with someone that's a good fit, not just based on someone that has a lot of followers and has a six pack. Um, particularly if they're from like the old school, um, they'll probably be stuck in their ways and, and not be willing to um, take on anything the new school, quote unquote bodybuilding says. Now, if we speak about training for guys, and this is where it'll get a bit different, right? Because, well, as guys, we do want to have quite a big upper chest usually the most of us yeah we want a big upper chest yeah we want big ass shoulders we want a thick back we want a wide back we want massive legs we just want big everything right so our program's got to reflect that so lower body is quite simple it follows the same pattern as females but instead of three three days a week it's just two i think guys honestly maximum you'll get away with is 10, 20 working sets across the week. Absolute max. Um, more than likely 18. Uh, if you're doing 20, some of those might be calves, <laughs> realistically. Um, but there's just no way with the loads that you shift and the, the, the muscle damage that you elicit, I just don't know any guy, bodybuilder, that can train any more than twice a week and progress and get stronger and not get injured is the main thing. Of course, powerlifters and that might do, but they're not working the muscular system, they're working the neuromuscular system, nerve innervation, so that's completely different, so they can get away with doing snatches and cleaning jerks and overhead squats every other day, whereas we just can't, we elicit too much muscular damage for that. So, programming wise, you'd still follow depending upon like a glute and hamstring day tagging on quads and a, and a quad day tagging on um, glutes and hams, that's how I work it, again, it totally depends, you might get some, like take, take Josh Malley for example, um, you know, he said for like two years, he just all he trained was like glutes and hamstrings twice a week because his quads were so overpowering. Okay, not everyone is 150 kilos and will, will be, have to do that. But if you're just like an average guy that just wants to get a bit bigger, it's more than likely that you're lacking in both not only quad but also glute and hamstring um, tissue as well. So you're going to split it up that sort of way. I'd still follow the whole like starting with like the seated adductor on a glute and hamstring day. Even a quad day, you can get away with that, but. Um, we've talked about the hip hinge as well as an option and uh, making sure always like you've got leg extension before the likes of uh, like a quad loading movement like the hack squat. Now guys, you're going to train push, right? You're going to be training a lot of chest. Um, however, could you tag on pull? Yeah, you could. Do I? No, I don't. Do I get clients to? Yeah, some of them because some have a shit back. So I'll kind of go with guys. I'll go day one, lower, day two is push. Right, so then maybe we'll work, again, thinking about the lateral head that we want brought up. Let's put that first, yeah? Let's put our cuffed raises, our dumbbell lateral raises, our, our cable raises first. Um, and then thereafter, we'll put in our sort of whatever chest movement is. Now, this depends whether you put a chest movement first, second, sorry, or a shoulder movement. Depends on what's lagging, right? It depends on what needs brought up. Usually, 
guys will be pretty poor developed in like what we call the clavicular region which is that upper up quote-unquote upper chest and the only way to sort of work that is determined upon how steep how steep of an angle your sternum has it's why you see me pressed from like a 40 and 50 degree angle but what you'll see a lot of guys do is they put a bench up that high and then as the bar comes down they push their abdominals out their diaphragm they flatten their sternum and they recruit fuck all of those upper fibers so when you are doing like a 40 or 50 degree press guys please 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 keep your sternum nice and steep hold your diaphragm in hold your abs in and lock your lower back into the pad now after that chest movement then you can put in your your say delt movement back to a chest then back to a lateral delt Maybe then you put in some cuffed work and then with the cuffed work you put in some metabolic work and then you're on to like your tricep loading movements. So that's an example of a push day. Um, thereafter, I would have a pull day. So you've kind of went lower, push, pull, um, which with pull, I don't tend to put in like a, a deadlift anything or like that on a pull day. Well, that's actually maybe a lot of shite. I actually do. I, I kind of like for guys putting an RDL or a rack pull in here um, the second as a second loading movement. And again, just the benefit we're going to get out of kind of... You could say that that's tagging on the glutes and hamstrings and we're getting benefit on the back, but arguably you could say that's the opposite way as well. Um, so you should be fairly enough recovered from day one to be able to do two just two sets of rdls on um that pool day now do i personally do that no um because i'm training for back width and a lot of my exercises are width exercises on my pool day for because i want to be a classic bodybuilder um but for guys that want a bit more density i think that putting an rdl on your pool day would or like a hip pin like a rack pool dorian something like that would would work really, really well and then again you just have to, the exercise order selection will be dependent upon are you lacking density or are you lacking width? And females, this kind of goes hand in hand for you as well. So for me, I'll kind of go a width exercise, then a density, a width, a density, a width, a width. And by width, I mean lots of pull down variations, whether that's a lat pull down um, with a drawbar, a D ring handle, a straight arm pull down. Um, and then by density, I mean something that is locking your scapula in place, that is just making sure that you have so much tension going through scapular retraction, that's your density moves. Um, and I would I often put put in my rear delt movements that's solely just metabolic work on a pull day. Then you have your day off, um, and then you'd sort of hit lower two, and then you would hit day three uh, day five which would be upper three for me when i program for guys this is like a combination of a push of an upper push pull and again it's going to be completely person dependent upon right do they need to bring up their back more than they do their chest or their delts or vice versa so again that's going to be dependent upon what, how we program in on that day so that's that's an overview of how i program for guys and girls um i didn't mention sort of rest periods in any of that specifically because if you watch if you followed me for a long time then you'll know i take a lot of rest right and if you haven't followed me 
I'll probably take between sets at least three minutes. If, it, if I'm training, that's upper body. If I'm training legs, arguably at least five minutes. I don't, honestly, I don't time it because I only go when I feel absolutely ready. I'm fortunate enough that I work from home, that when I'm at the gym, I'm there for a couple hours and I don't have to rush to get back because um, I, I try and get a lot of my check-ins done first thing in the morning. So I only go when I know my breath's back and I'm mentally prepared and mentally in this in the set and I've put myself in like a dark place where I know I'm a bit of a nasty bastard and, I, and I'm going to get that set. So... If you are, and I see this, I've seen this with a couple of clients recently. Like they send me a video where I think they're they're doing a drop set or a superset, and they say, "Oh no, that was my two sets." And I go, "You took thirty seconds in between." Like if we think about ATP, which is just effectively an energy molecule, right? It needs rephosphorylated as you're recovering, right? You need to rebuild back up those energy stores in the muscle. That's really simplistic layman's terms of putting it. But we need to think of like recharging a battery as such, and that'll take a couple of minutes to do. So please be aware that if you're coming on board with me in between working sets, I'm going to ask you to rest. Now, okay, if we're doing like a metabolic set, that's a rest pause, or it's a muscle round, or it's a drop set, then yeah. We are specific. We do say, right, take this amount of time, 10 seconds on your rest pause, or you know, 10 seconds in between muscle runs, or drops, or zero, or zero rest. And But again, if you think, go back to the start of the episode, that comprises such a small part of the overall program that when you go into those metabolic sets, all you're trying to do is like finish the muscle off as such, and try and create as much pain as possible. So you're trying to shift a decent load, but you're trying to move it really, really well, great tempo, squeeze the fuck out of it. If you're doing like a leg extension, you should be like, not screaming with pain, but internally screaming, right? Um, And that's another thing I often say to clients as well, like try and approach each set with as much internal violence as possible. Doesn't need to be shouting, doesn't need to be screaming. It doesn't need to be intimidating. That like we know that nobody trains the same, and people can think that making noise is put on. I can honestly say, if you think that noise being put on from lifting is something that is we are in control of, I would say you've never trained hard enough. Then, because if you train hard enough, you are you cannot control the noises that come out of your mouth or the faces that you pull. You see someone like going for it on the hack squat, they're pulling all sorts of faces, their faces scrunched up, um, they're, they're making a lot of noise. For me, I might like grunt a little bit. Um, I kind of shout at myself, you know, you hear me say, come on, Vaughn, um, want these or something like that. That That's me speaking to myself to just be like, again, that, that voice in my head that says, you'll be pissed off if you don't write down this. Um, but sometimes I need to give myself a little bit of a bump, a little bit of motivation for that. So this was just more of a, a shorter episode today, um, but I hope that it helps you. I hope it gives you a bit of an insight into how I program and the systems that I have. By all means, these will be slightly different, probably completely different from a lot of coaches out there. And there'll be coaches out there that run different systems that are very successful, whose clients change 
just as much as mine do, perhaps they do even more, right? The difference is, is just understanding that everyone is individual and how it, how we all grow, how we all respond to certain exercises, certain volumes, certain frequencies, certain moves is different. And the reason I say it's different and the reason I say it depends so much is that I'm just not willing to lie to people. Like, you will never... Like, I will never say, hey, come and buy my 90-day chess builder. Come and buy my 60-day booty builder. Because that is just simply a program that is there to be bought for money. That's not taken into consideration that someone's buying that. We don't know how they're applying themselves. They don't know where their food's at, where their stress is at, where their recovery is at, how they actually train. And we're just trying to make a quick buck. So it's why I'll probably never really sell genetic programs. Will I offer like free downloads and stuff like that when the new website launches? Yeah. Why? Because I just hope it gives you a little bit of structure and adds a bit of value to your journey. But what I'd hope is that if it does and you're still like, you've downloaded it and you just went, what the fuck is all this? Hope that you reach out to one of us, whether it's myself or at the time it's Clara or Ali. Like, please don't be afraid to ask us stuff. The one thing that we want to make sure separates us from the rest is that we actually care. And that's why we do the long days, the long hours. It's why we will always message back within reason on the same day. I say to clients, I get up at 5am, I go to bed at 7. Mesh me within those hours, you get a reply. If you mesh me at 7.01, boom, phone, phone is down, Netflix is on, and it is Vaughn time, or Vaughn and Rona time, I should say. Time to chill. Um, so I hope you're all well. I hope this program, uh, this episode, sorry, provided you massive value in your own programming, uh, give you some tips. If you're unsure what some of the things I've said, like what a Widowmaker set is, muscle rounds, drop sets, metabolic sets, um, then just message me. Just reach out, drop me a WhatsApp, drop me an Instagram. My, my number's on on uh, Instagram, I think. So drop me a WhatsApp, drop me an email, whatever is how you want to reach out. Um, we can jump on Skype, we can jump, jump on Zoom, I can give you a voice note back and forth, um, and we can sort of kind of get to the, the the bottom of any sort of problems that you have. So, whatever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.